Welcome to Get This Shit, the bi-monthly podcast that answers the questions you've always had, but forgot to ask. Prepare your earballs. Why, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Get This Shit. My name's Cassie, and uh, I'm your host, and I'm joined today by uh, the other host, Samuel. Hello! Why, hello! Hello! Hello. (laughs) You do it so well! (laughs) I love it! I was raised on Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, yes. I was born in it. (laughs) (laughs) You merely adopted it. I was born in it. In the fire, the doubt fire. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, too. Born in the fire. <laughs> oh my God. Listen, uh, there's a strike going on, so you we got to take <laughs> any idea we got and store it away. All right? <clears throat> it's time for us small content creators to, to help out. During uh you know during this trying time of no new releases for a hot second right yeah <laughs> yeah uh, improv troops and theater kids are probably super excited Unite! about <laughs> about the WGA and SAG strike going on right yes now. and yes and <laughs> yeah oh my goodness I uh, uh, on a serious note about the strike. Go for her. Go for them. Yeah, I saw a reel uh, yesterday, I think, where like Mandy Patinkin is, for those who don't know the name off the top of their head, uh, plays uh, Inigo Montoya from You Kill My Father, Prepare to Die from Princess Bride. (laughs) Also was was, like the first lead on the show, Criminal Minds. But like, yeah, yeah magnificent actor fucking gray hair and bearded just yep. in a picket line chanting his fucking old ass dick off. off yeah jane fonda was out there fucking yelling and well, whatnot and i mean she's always been that girl yeah she's been arrested more times than snoop Dogg. so <laughs> i i hope that they're friends i want to hope <laughs> because like that's a that's a triad right there. Oh my god! That's an Martha, unholy triad. Snoop and Jane. Yeah, I wonder if Jane Fonda and Martha Stewart were gonna get along. I don't know. They both seem I have like no very, idea. I I mean, as you know, as a friend, <laughs> <laughs> you parasocially uh, Jane Fonda. Now. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Her hair is magnificent. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, I, it is could the you most perfect level. Being her stylist and like the oh my god, like with me, my hands would be like shaking the entire fucking time. You can't fuck up Jane Fonda's hair. Listen, <laughs> people will come after you. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, with along with the WGA and the SAG strike, uh, there's also. A FedEx strike, I believe, or not FedEx, but UPS um, is about to pop off. Good. I mean, UPS. 
it's been a historical trend that at like immediately post like pandemic yeah. times has been huge like times of huge periods of massive labor actions well yeah and i but that it comes after like you said the aftermath of a pandemic and then <clears throat> the economic struggle yeah. that is going on that they're refusing to acknowledge absolutely that you know i we we are in a depression like this is what is being experienced by most people in america right now is absolutely mirroring the great depression mm-hmm. and it is upsetting doing more uh research into that into because like economic history mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i don't numbers and i don't get along <laughs> so i'm already <laughs> like what the fuck bitch like right. Well, and it's also funny when you learn that, like, because people think, like, oh, we had the Great Depression, which was, like, the big bad, and and then we, and then FDR fixed it, and then we're good, until, like, the, you know, crash in, like, 2008, but, like, they don't tell you about the financial panic of 1787, Um, there was one in... uh, 1827 i believe there was one in 1893 then there was one and then there was the great depression in the 1930s Mm -hmm. like it (laughs) just been more than one yeah there's been several economic depressions that yeah like between 1930s and 2008 was the longest like period that we've had in between them it's usually around between 40 and 50 years and then we saved it off for about 70 but you got to think how much our economy was funded by war between 1940 and 2008 so you know uh yeah that's me (laughs) it's just a um unsettling time i guess Mm -hmm. i don't know there's a lot of uncertainty Sure. And for me, that is anxiety-inducing. I don't do well with the unknown. Yeah. Or leaving things in other people's hands. Sure. Because <laughs> if I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash this thing myself. Like You're hilarious. I don't need any help. <laughs> well, you just got to listen to the words of Gandalf when Frodo yeah. said that he wished the ring had never come to him. And... Gandalf said, so do all who live through such dark times, but that is not our choice to make. The only choice we have is what to do That is, uh, with the time that is given us. Oh. <laughs> all right, Gandalf. Spitting words of truth. That's, ooh, that's deep. Yeah, Tolkien may have been a decent writer. Go yeah, figure. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I well, I I don't know if you guys can tell. This has been a hot topic in the house. I was speaking with Katie about it. How unfortunately our uh, experiences, hers, and uh, as a like a single household person, and like ours as a two person household, and like there these experiences are not uncommon. Yeah. With struggling and with, 
<laughs> with feeling like you can't get ahead. And I've uh, I've seen a lot on TikTok that um, millennials and uh, who whoever's underneath of us, uh, Gen Z, Gen Z, mm-hmm. uh, how they're just like, wait, this is uh, this is not shaken down the way that you said it would. Yeah. If I did X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. you said I'd have A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. And like, uh, there's this guy that I follow and he was talking about his dad and like as a single household like uh income mm-hmm. single income household there we go yes woof ah uh, his dad made like 42 mm-hmm. 45 something yeah and he bought a house and mm-hmm. he had a car you know they had cars and he had a boat and just he the creator totally sees how the other generation the older generations just don't get it they're like well obviously you're not working hard enough even if there is math right in front of you like well i did it and i had to do this so it makes sense that you have to work just as hard and i don't get that attitude sure um well i think some of it is like sunken cost uh deficit like mentality Mm -hmm. to where like if uh people who have bought into the system that worked enough for them Mm -hmm. instead of like pushing forward they would realize that they could have had it better but Mm -hmm. If they admit that, then they can invalidate some of their own experience. Oh, 110%. So I think some of it is that, but also, like, capitalism as a system is an uh, uh, Ouroboros. So, mm-hmm. like, Ouroboros is a, a, a mythical, like, dragon or snake, depending, that uh, when it's depicted uh, visually, it's eating its own tail. Yes. So, but that's because, like, it ate everything else, and the only thing left is for it to start devouring itself. Yes. And so, generations that came before us, like, were in a different, were not in late-stage capitalism. They were, get, they were tiptoeing right up to the line to where, like, there was more stuff for the dragon to devour. Now, yeah. we are living through the only thing left to eat is itself. Yeah. A skinny tail bit. That's yeah. where we be. Mm-hmm. Fun. Fun. Aren't you guys glad that you Wee! joined us today? <laughs> oh my he's goodness. Been, he's throw your hands in the air. Throw your hands. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, Lord. Well, uh, we have... We have other things other than doom and gloom. <laughs> we did get to go day drinking. Yeah. Uh, I think last episode we were off to go mm-hmm. day drink with your dad. Yeah. It was Check dope. For his birthday. It was fun. We went down to a local distillery. Well, local-ish. It was a bit of a drive, but nothing unmanageable. Local <laughs> distillery. And we were going to do like this whole mixology class because dad... Uh, it's pretty simple, but would like to learn a few more recipes with his. Uh, yeah. And, but unfortunately, there had been a big storm, and 
Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, me either. And this is in like a more rural part of mm-hmm. uh, our Indiana. State. Yeah. And so they had a couple down trees that affected their stuff, so they had to cancel that. But we were still able to do like a little bit of tasting there, and then we went to yeah. a couple other places and did a couple tastings because there's quite a few distilleries and a couple wineries around that area. Mm-hmm. Then we got a late lunch, and then, but yeah, we did a lot of talking <laughs> where it was. I uh, yeah, it was every... great. We talked about everything. Yeah, and I think. It was fun to do it with you, with Dad, because, like, I know you've observed Dad and I talking a lot, where we will, like, talk about everything, and, like, I know sometimes it isn't fun to be around and not be a part of it. Sure. Um, it, for me... I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> Stop it. God. <laughs> but I take arguing a little too personally mm-hmm. to have such spirited debates mm-hmm. all of the time. <laughs> Whereas like. I en- it's a chess match for you guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's also like, I know. Um, for me, I like having discussions with my dad because I, for me, it's a safe space to where I know it's never going to turn into a heated argument. So it's a safe space for me to like discuss and pick apart and needle and just like, and have fun with like the art of conversation with someone who doesn't necessarily see eye to eye on every single issue. But is still someone you know is coming from a good place and someone you have a good relationship with. Yeah. Like, that's where the fun is. That's really sweet. Like, I'm not... I don't have fun, like, needling dad about things where we differ, you know? I have fun because, like, I can do it with him and I know it's never going to become, like, a fuck you, you know? (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that with me. (laughs) On most days. Yeah, no. You got to have special permission I think I've told you before. I'm like, can we not? Yeah. No, you said I'm not in the right headspace to do this right now. <laughs> there was a part like during 2020. Uh, Sam had said something about, you know, like there's too many people on this on the earth and uh, that, you know, like this is kind of a natural thing that happens and like, you know. The planet will save itself. So that's what it's doing. And uh, I was just like, bro, you have to stop. I have a hard enough time (laughs) some days wanting to stay on this corporeal earth. Mm. (laughs) And uh, I like so dramatic, so fucking (laughs) dramatic. But I was like, can you not? (laughs) He was like, my bad. Yep. Absolutely not. Oops. <laughs> it's like fuck. But yeah, I, I had been cooped getting, up for a bit. Yeah. Well, and I was also cooped up like mentally as yes. well. And so I was trying to like step outside and objectively like uh do like thought exercises of uh, in a cynical and objective way to like I don't know. 
possibly scratch some itch that I hadn't found yet. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. and you were just like, nope, too dark. I don't like this. <laughs> I cannot right now. And I was like, yep, got it. <laughs> I think I said something about it. I'm not the one for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no. I'll stay over here in Rainbow Happy Land. For, I, this is where I like to, um, you know, I vacation other places. I holiday in Cynicalville. Mm. But I like Sunshine Rainbow Happy Land a lot more. <laughs> we stay over. There's marshmallows here. <laughs> Speaking of marshmallows. Oh. July 4th happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. A lot of people have cookouts. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I gotcha. It's a it's like a it's slant a, ride. Yeah, it's it's a, right I was over there. Just, oh my god, I was just about to say that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um we didn't celebrate anything. Like you sure didn't. July 4th is dumb. But we did have some plans to go watch some fireworks and eat some like fair food stuff. And uh, then they got canceled. And like, wow, I still wanted to hang out with. Oh, it was Kaylee. Yeah. You guys know her. Um, We were going to go to a, like a little fair thing. And she was like, hey, man, uh, we're a little slow goings over here. And I was like, bro, I was just thinking about taking a nap myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Say no more. <laughs> say less. I got you and I love you. <laughs> we are severely in our 30s because we're like the best plans are canceled plans. Fuck yeah, man. I'm not going to take it personally. That's a-okay. So we watch ha- shitty, cheesy action movies. Hell yeah. Which ones did we watch? Because you know I don't remember. Uh, we watched Cobra. Oh, Cobra was so bad good. <laughs> yeah. It's a Stallone movie. Yeah. So... And then we watched... Um, Wasn't his... It's his name, right? Like, yeah. that he got it... What is it? John Cobra or... Yeah. Oh, fuck. I don't, I don't remember his God name. But call the Cobra. Cobra <laughs> they like, can't say Like, it. Cobra Letty or oh, whatever. Coburn. Maybe. Wasn't it? No, I don't I, We have know. the facilities to look it up, but we're not going to do that. No. You look it up. You look it up. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to watch the movie. What are the and other? And then we watched... Um, the Quest, which is Van, Jean-Claude da- Van Damme. Yes. It's super cheesy. It was very cheesy. Within the first, like, five seconds, splits. <laughs> like, he's out there <laughs> split-kicking people in the face. <laughs> um, and then we watched uh, Bulletproof with uh, Damon Waynes and Adam Sandler. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I think I fell asleep towards the you end of that. fell asleep towards the end of both Bulletproof and The Quest. Listen, I'm The surprised Quest... you stayed up for Cobra. Hey, I was up. I was there for Cobra. You were. I love Stallone. I'll stay awake for Daddy Stallone. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> but, no, you're totally right. I fell asleep. It happens. Yeah, you I made think it I have all narcolepsy. the way through all the subplot parts and main plot parts of the quest, which is a, a Jean Claude Van Damme movie that ends in a fight tournament. Like, and That's then like dope. as soon as the tournament starts, like you were, of course, <laughs> like of course. you made it through all the dumb, stupid shit. Like you made it through the first half of Bloodsport and fell apart. Like, <laughs> <mostly> <laughs> during the, 
the part that ev- like you were awake for the part. parts that everyone fast forwards through. Like <laughs> maybe that should be a, a series that we do where we do where you pre-watch a movie and then you fast forward to the parts. Hey, yeah. this is a movie that you've fallen asleep to. Let's fast forward so you can finish it. Oh my god. Yeah, we should do that. There, I there's a whole fucking list of movies. I'm pretty sure you felt like, yeah. You swear to this day that you have never seen the first Shazam. I've I've never seen it. <laughs> like, yes, you have. I, I don't remember. I don't, and I don't even think you fell asleep during that one. I think you just talked through it. Oh my god, I've never seen it. <laughs> never. <laughs> I don't. Who's Shazamel? Who is that? And the dude Shazoom. from Chuck. Is that really the dude from Chuck? Yeah. That's weird. I didn't know that. Yeah. He he worked out a little bit and then I mean, that happens. I you Andy Dwyer, damn. Right. Christopher Pratt. That makes me so fucking sad. I wish that he wasn't a conservative he douche. Got roped into a cult. Yeah. Yeah. Just what the fuck? So sad. So good looking, but so dumb. So yeah. dumb. Well, they found him as a waiter in a Bubba Gump shrimp restaurant. Like, God, he was Andy Dwyer. I know, right? <laughs> he really was. That's amazing. Yeah, I I don't know much about his uh, early career. Neither do I. Just but... know random facts like that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I think... Well, oh, um, Kaylee recommended... This uh, paranormal circus that's mm-hmm. in town, so I think Sam and I uh, are gonna go to that, and we'll yeah, I haven't looked. Give it you yet, a review. But... It seems like it's pretty fun. It's like a eighteen and over show. Nice. So keep your fucking kids at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw breeders. some. <laughs> I saw something about a few shows where like thirteen to seventeen were could be there, but they had to have an adult, and okay. I remember those days. But I mean, we're gonna see titties. I don't know. <laughs> I we could I possibly we'll hold out hope. All right, I love it. Well, Samuel, I think it's time that you give the people what they want. What do they want? Fucking resolution. You okay? Uh, my New Year's resolution. Get out of here. <laughs> give see, us a review. Okay. Catch so. us up again, just in case we're not binging. Right, so we are talking about the Homestead strike of 1892 at the Carnegie Steel Plant in Homestead, Pennsylvania. Um, There were technological advancements that uh, essentially made Carnegie Steel a whole lot richer, and they responded in kind by wanting to pay the workers a whole lot less. Uh, So What? No way. Yeah, so the... Homestead, Pennsylvania was essentially like a company town. Not in the sense that it was not a company town. It was like a... Not uh, like Starfleet or whatever the fuck Elon wants to do. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, not in a company town to where like it was. It, they were City. paid in like vouchers or... or sure, like sure, sure. Yeah, you can only spend your... M- yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shroot bucks. <laughs> yeah. Not in that sense, but a sense that kind of like uh, uh, Flint, Michigan, or, or it was a GM town. Gary, sure. yeah. Indiana was a steel town, you know. Uh, so this this was a town that 
everything revolved around the Carnegie plant. Sure. <clears throat> so when the union members went on strike, pretty much everyone in town rallied around them. And then Carnegie Steel brought in some Pinkertons. Uh, Those did, fucks. Did not go well for the Pinkertons. <laughs> oh, Pinkertons. So we left off um, on July 6th, which was the day where there was the huge uh, back and forth between the Pinkertons. Um, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And fireworks uh, were being shot at the barges holding the Pinkertons. The barges. The Pinkertons surrendered soon after and proceeded to get the shit beat out of them. Oh, yeah. They had to walk the gauntlet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which looked bad on the strikers in the media. Uh, But then the Pinkertons were put on a train and taken to court in Pittsburgh uh, where yeah. suddenly none of them were charged with murder and they were all promptly released. Yep. So the only yep. thing that happened to them was they got the shit beat out of them. So that and was the right had, choice. That was the right yeah, choice. If right they choice. hadn't got the shit beat out of them, nothing would have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there were a few that were killed, but as for like the 324, they were... Listen. Just got beat up a little bit. So the next day... July 7th. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. The strikers know that the governor had been asked to send in the state militia. So the strike committee sent a mm. telegram to assure Gover- Governor Patterson uh, that law and order had been restored and that this bing, was bing. once again a peaceful strike. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> hey, 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 listen. Look. We. We've had some time to cool off, okay? Yeah. Shit popped off. We've resolved it. Now we're just back to, you know, normal striking. Yeah, it's everything fine. is hunky-dory, but we're still not going back to work, okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Governor replied that he had heard differently. <laughs> like, who are you going to trust? Yeah. Who are you going to trust? Yeah, who are you going to trust? We didn't shoot fireworks. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> So on July 9th, union officials traveled to Harrisburg to meet with the governor. Great. Uh, Long story short, they were not able to convince the governor that whether law and order had been restored for now, it wasn't going to fly off the rails again. Sure. I I mean, okay, whatever. Uh, See, Pattinson on July 6th had called to activate the militia, but he had not sent them in. Gotcha. He rounded up the troops, but didn't send them nowheres. Right. He rightly assumed that an overwhelming a majority, overwhelming majority of the citizens of Homestead uh, supported the strike. Yeah. And he knew that if he sent in the militia to try to break up the fight between everyone and the Pinkertons, and oh, all that yeah. shit, it would have a thousand percent resulted in a huge massacre. One hundred and ten percent. So he knew he had to, uh, at the very least, wait till the fighting had stopped and, like, there was a break sure, in action. Sure, sure, sure. cooled down. Can... Let me just squeeze on in here real yeah. quick. But Carnegie Steel, surprise, surprise, um, backed him during his election. So... <laughs> 
So he knew if he wanted to stay it's in never office, okay, <laughs> he had to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Which I mean, admittedly, is a tough spot for the governor to be in because. Yeah, do I do the right thing or do I do the thing that people are paying me off to do? It's okay. a really hard place. It's a tough spot because, like, Homestead is not the only, like, part of his state that is deeply influenced by Carnegie Steel. And it's entire, sure. which I don't know very much about Governor Pattison. I didn't, didn't do a deep dive on sure. him or who his opponents were. Uh, that he ran against, but no matter, he could have been the most angelic, citizen-forward, progressive uh, governor, but, like, you still could not function in that state without Carnegie Steel being a heavy influence on everything you're trying to do. So, like, you can only do so much. You can only buck against them so hard before, like, and then who knows who gets elected, uh, you know, in, in your place that Carnegie Steel backed heavily. They could be so much worse for the citizens. So, Pattison could have been a huge sellout and not given a shit about the people. I don't know. But even if he wasn't, like, because of the way that our government and economy are linked together and how they're structured, like, you could be the most progressive um, populist leader and you still have these constraints that you have to operate within sure and so yeah tough spot for the governor to be in even if he was a good dude so all in all uh the governor decides to send in the militia to make sure you know quote unquote law and order prevails uh and to make sure you know everyone doesn't start wildcatting again (laughs) not wildcatting so the strikers uh, planned to welcome the militia with open arms. Sure. that I mean, that is a smart thing to do. Yeah. And maybe prevent brutality from strike, strike breakers or if more Pinkertons show up, et cetera. In yeah, best we're, case we're scenario. We're friends, hey, pals. Yeah. In buds. best case scenario, make them sympathetic to the cause. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which happened. Um, I believe in the Pennsylvania Railroad strike in the, I think, 1878 or something. I don't know, 1883? I'm not sure. I would have to re-look at that one, but that one's a very interesting one as well. Mm. Yeah, they showed up, like, they sent in, like, small militia. The militia were like, hey, yo, hey, oh, shit. Hey, Jim. Yeah, because, like, they're, you got to think of your National Guard people, essentially, was, like, what militia was at this time mm-hmm. so it's local people who at least understand like local uh politics and situations sure so it's entirely possible they're like no i'm not fucking beating the shit out of these guys like i totally get what they're fighting for <laughs> like sure my cousin like fucking works two towns over and he's bitching about the same shit like stuff like that had happened in the past wow So, uh, but leaders of the militia made sure to keep their arrival as secret as possible up until the last minute. And on July 12th at 9 a.m., the militia arrives. Their commander, uh, Major Cunt, I mean, Major General 
uh, George R. Snowden. Okay. It's <laughs> like Hunger Games. What? <laughs> Big old cunt. <laughs> George R. Snowden made sure local officials, like the mayor, sheriff, etc., uh, knew that he sided with Carnegie Steel. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm so glad that we have an unbiased opinion that has yep. a bunch of guns. Yeah. Uh, Hugh O'Donnell, if you remember, was the head of the strike committee. Mm-hmm. Um, he, going along with the plan, attempted to welcome Snowden and let him know that the strikers were going to keep it cool and cooperate. Mm-hmm. Um, Snowden basically told him that uh, he was full of shit. Cool. And that the strikers had broken the law. Mm. And he apparently viewed this welcome as a power play by the union, which I mean, it kind of was not like asserting power, but like it to swing the balance of power or sympathy of it to their side. So like it was technically like a form of manipulation, but would you just preferred that we murdered you as soon as you came into town? (laughs) You don't you don't get. Never mind. <laughs> so he apparently viewed this welcome as a power play by the fucking union. Fucking bitch. Because he said, quote, I want you to distinctly understand that I am the master of this situation. Oh, okay. And then I would have pantsed him. <laughs> I'm not joking. Let's talk about power plays. Dick's hanging out in the fucking breeze now. Well, Snowden, uh, big, like, he's a big stick in the locker room because the plant was surrounded by 4,000 troops and had disbanded. That seems like a little much. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they had disbanded the picketers in 20 minutes. Um, another 2,000 soldiers took the high ground overlooking the city. So now we have 6,000 or mm-hmm. they just moved no, 6, troops? 6,000. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing like a big overreaction by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Cool, Against cool. its own citizens. Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Continue Uh, with the nightmare. (laughs) Plant officials were back in their offices by 10 a.m. Carnegie Steel then brought in strike breakers uh, that were protected by the militia. Uh, Well, duh. Uh, They they also built barracks and kitchens on the plant grounds to house the strike breakers. Yep, so you don't have to leave. Those those mean old union workers won't hurt you now. <laughs> um, Frick was able to easily hire non-union workers despite picketing around recruitment offices. Man, I want one of his finger bones on a necklace. His <laughs> son's been listening to Akatar. Oh my god. <laughs> I want fucking his teeth in a jar. <laughs> Uh, many of the workers that he recruited were black. <sighs> yeah. Well, of course. And Eastern European immigrants as well. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is odd 
Because if you had included them in your union, they wouldn't be available to be picked up for uh, scab workers. Yeah, it's odd that uh, you did that intentionally. Weird. So these replacement workers arrived the next day on July 13th. Mm-hmm. And on July 15th, the furnaces were relit. All right. Back there, in business for you. Yeah. Uh, there was a small group of strikers who tried to storm the plant to stop the furnaces from being lit. Um, oh, good they on you. They were easily beaten back by the militia, mm-hmm. and six of them were wounded by the militia stabbing them with bayonets. Yep. I literally. Yeah. They're going to. They're going to poke you. Mm-hmm. Swiss cheese, yeah. Yeah. So, even though the plant was restarted quickly, not everything was going smoothly, mainly because... No way! <laughs> was it because of, can I guess, unskilled workers? Uh, that was definitely part of it that's going to raise tensions uh, inside, but it was also the late 1800s. And you had uh, a bunch of white guys working next to a large group of black guys. Oh, my God. Even as fucking, uh, let's say, quote, quote, scum. Okay. In the situation, you are going to get mad about the other people. Like, you can't just shut your mouth and work. No. Oh, my God. How can you be racist as a scab? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> because they, I assume they figured that, well, I Fucking may be a scab, but I'm white, so I'm still going to get more preferential treatment. Fucking the- white people. My dude, if you walk out there, you're getting your ass beat. <laughs> Uh, There's a reason your pillow is on the fucking grounds of where you work, man. Like, you gonna lay your head down at work. Wow. So, on July 22nd, there was a huge fight uh, between the two groups. Uh, there, there aren't a lot of details on it. They just call it like a mini race war. And I was like, mm. oh, cool. Just a, just a little one. It's just a, just a baby. Yeah. Race war. It's cool. We should. Uh, we don't have to. We shouldn't record it. You know. I mean, yeah. it's just. It's fine. Just a little one. Yeah. Uh. So after getting their asses handed to them, the union didn't have many options. Uh. So they tried to appeal to a man named White Law Reed. That can't be real. <laughs> my blood pressure this episode <laughs> what why one more time for me white law read <laughs> okay uh he was the republican candidate for vice president oh he would win instantly now. You know that, right? <laughs> right. Like, there would be no, hardly any need for an election with that name right now. <laughs> so they wanted to appeal to this vice presidential candidate. Um, they came with no demands. They just wanted him to urge Frick to reopen negotiations. Great. I yeah. That is 
that's a reasonable request, a sad, yeah. reasonable request. Uh, to his credit, uh, Reed wrote to Frick telling him to... Uh, reop- Come on. <laughs> yeah, to reopen <laughs> negotiations and to urge him that this looks bad on Republicans and could have uh, negative effects come election time. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you know, politicians being politicians. Yeah, using, I mean, yet using that vernacular. <sighs> yeah. Um. So I assume Frick figured he had essentially what <laughs> you throwing shit now. Yep, I got, sure am. I angry, I'm but. mad. <laughs> what the frick? Have a eat a drink a seven up. Have a moon pie. Stop, <laughs> Stop murdering, murdering people. people. So, um, I assume Frick figured he had pretty much already won. Sure. Um, Why and, not? Yeah. And that Carnegie essentially contributed <laughs> to so many political campaigns. He wasn't worried about the negative political impact of Carnegie Steele's actions. <laughs> sure. I'm guessing uh, because Frick refused to reopen negotiations. Mm, sounds about right. Now... Although he refused, Frick did want a way out of this to end the strike. Uh, Because, I mean, he had barracks for these strike breakers and kitchens and was housing them on the grounds. And eventually, like, this is not a long lasting, sustainable solution that he wants to, like, be affecting his profit and bottom line and overhead and all that shit. Well, I guess you better uh, pay your skilled workers better. Or meet their demands. I mean, you would think. Um, so he got his way out on July 23rd, but it probably wasn't the solution he was looking for. Mm. On July 3rd, a man named Alexander uh, Berkman and his girlfriend, Emma Goldman, gained entrance to Frick's office. Amazing. Uh they proceeded to shoot and stab him. Oh, good. I mean. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending. Are you kidding me? Are is, you kidding me? Yeah, he survived. <laughs> oh, why? I don't know. I, what? Continue. <laughs> uh, so Frick survived the ordeal. And even though this pair, who were uh, just random anarchists from New York who had no connection to the steel strike, uh, no connection to organized labor at all. No fucking way. They just had a problem with the man and like heard about... The freaking man. <laughs> like, they, yeah, they had a problem with big yes. the man and then heard about this and decided to fucking frick yeah <laughs> decided to uh vigilante do something about it woof bud so no connection to anybody not uh-huh the amalgamated association not the aa not the union not homestead not nothing they mm-hmm. just did this as a random violent crime well not random but you know what i mean yeah 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 uh Regardless of this, uh, the public support for the strike fucking collapsed. Oh, my God. 
Like, okay. The media spun it to delegitimize the fucking movement. Yeah, the movement. And like an no all, way. I've never seen that done before. Yeah. And all public support dried up. And essentially, there was no... Like, it, it the strike petered for, like, a couple months. Like, it officially ended in, like, November... But, like, nothing. Wow. There were legal battles that went along with it. But it was essentially, like, this was the huge knockout blow that there were some punches that were thrown back, but nothing that hit or stuck or landed or anything. So you're telling me you're leaving me with blue strike balls? Yeah. And not all these endings are happy, Cassie and Essentially, the union collapsed. All the workers uh, agreed to Carnegie's terms. They went back to uh, those who could get their jobs back and weren't prosecuted. Went back to 12-hour days for less wages than when they went on strike. Oh, my God. Well... You killed the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I this was one of the, like, it was a huge monumental uh, labor action that is a huge point in American organized labor history, and yeah, it doesn't have a happy ending, but it it there was so much success until the government stepped in and sent in. U.S. military troops to protect property and profits yeah. against its citizens. Yeah. And, and, it, and it created, depending on your examples that you use, it either created or it solidified a model that was used many, many times over in our history of organized labor. Mm-hmm. 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 And um, and also it it's not just a black mark on our government, but it was also it's also a huge black mark on national organized labor as well, because the AFL, which was led by Samuel Gompers at the mm-hmm. time, who was the mm-hmm. first leader and uh, a founder of the American Federation of Labor, did very little to help and intervene. Uh, because, like wow. we've discussed before, he was very much an incrementalist. Sure, yeah. And small changes are ones that are substantive. Are lasting and changes. lasting changes. Yes, exactly. But, yeah, he didn't even... In September, there was a call to boycott Carnegie Steel products for pretty much everyone in the AFL and... Gompers denied that call for a steel boycott. Wow. Yeah. He's like, that's not going to solve anything. Yeah, that's just going to make... Yeah, that's just going to make the businesses that and employers and management, that's just going to make them mad at us and less willing to deal with us when we collectively bargain with them and, and try to make progress in negotiations. It's, it's less likely for... We can only use our leverage so much until it devolves into situations like this at Homestead. And but if they start in a place where they're already mad and don't want to deal, then it's just it's so much harder to create progress for organized labor. And that's the mentality that he came with. Yeah. Not 
there's seven of them and 7,000 of us and we can bring them to fucking heal. We just have to be willing to be a 10% as ruthless as they are on a daily fucking basis. Yeah. I Well, I mean, it, it it's hard for some people yeah. to be uh, ruthless and cutthroat and do what yeah. has to be done. Some people aren't meant to weather storms like yeah. that and what but, have I mean, you, you, but you fuck. Huge corporations that, I mean, they destroy nothing. E- they destroy environments, ecosystems, uh, communities, economies, yeah, social structures. Like, they don't care what they fucking consume and the wreckage that they leave in their fucking wake. They don't give a fuck. No, real fern gully shit. But then, like, those who try to bring them to heal are then then they play the fucking victim it's like trying to deal with the fucking narcissist yeah yeah they want to be the hero and the victim all at the same goddamn time in every single story every story Mm -hmm. Ugh. well thanks (laughs) hey look i mean we that's real uh i don't know i it it is a, a bit encouraging, uh, especially with all the strikes going around right now. Like, hey, man, it can get stuff done. Yeah. But and also if we're all kind of striking, uh, where, where are they really going to send everybody? Like, are they going to send everybody? I mean, you if know? they do, I mean, it just pushes everything further and further towards a giant tipping point, which yeah. I don't know what that looks like or how, what it's no, going to be or what's going to happen. But we have never experienced that firsthand. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. But so sorry, I didn't tell you a story that has a happy. Ending oh, my God. When it comes to uh a labor action, but at the same time, it is a very interesting. It's very interesting story, and, and it's I think also it very is, important. One. Yes, I agree. I think it's important as well. And um, there are so many other things that, like, I did a very, very, very abridged version of this. There's a lot more interesting stuff in there. Sure, if you're if you would like to read more, like, there are books written about just this books. one labor action, like, so. There's plenty, plenty more to delve into. If if you found what I told interesting, there's a lot more in there if you want to dig deeper. I did a very surface level presentation of this. Love it. Love it. Um, well, your surface level presentation uh, inspired me no. to do some research about um, some people that you mentioned in your, uh, your story. Oh, yeah? Your report. Uh, yeah, I... I'm going to be doing a series on the Pinkertons. Ooh. Yes, yes. I had something else, and I uh, I just, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Uh, so today I'm going to tell you guys about the, uh, the man who started the Pinkertons. Part one is Part the, one. The all epilogue. I from, like, all I know is I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like the dude who started the Pinkertons, like, was not a bastard. Um, and then it, like, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. the organization got worse. But I could, like I said, I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll form your own opinions. Okay. About Alan P. 
Pinkerton. Yes. He was born July 21st, 1819 in Glasgow. Or oh. Glasgow. Gotcha. Yeah, so he's from Scotland. Oh, okay. I can't do a Scottish accent. Can you not? I thought about trying to do a yeah. Scottish brogue there for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I understand. Uh, that's a tough one. I gotta channel my inner groundskeeper, Willie, from yes, from yes. <laughs> uh, so his mom was a Scottish last name Isabel McQueen, and his dad William was she fast? Uh, you know what? Kachow, baby, kachow. <laughs> Only William knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, William was a policeman, but he was forced to retire after being injured on duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much is known. Sober, not sober. <laughs> I don't know. If I could not find details. It is around the 1820s. So, sure. you know. Um, not much is known about chi- uh, Alan's childhood other than... Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Uh, other than his father, William, died after being injured in a political riot in Glasgow. Nice. In a blaze of glory. Right. <laughs> I assume that's what you mean by nice. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, gotta. No one wants to die boring. No, I would agree. I would agree. I, that's all I could think about when I was choking on that piece of broccoli. I was like, can't end like this. Can't end like this. It's so sad. Um, Alan was only 10 when his father died. Yikes. That's rough. It is rough because unfortunately, Alan had to leave school to support his family. Yeah. Was, he, were they still in Scotland? They were okay. at the time. Oh, good. So it's like that everywhere. Awesome. Uh-huh. He Whee! became an apprentice barrel maker. At the Macaulay Cooperage Works. I was going to say he became a Koopa. A Koopa. A Koopa Chupa. (laughs) While still young, uh, he became very active in uh, the reforming of the Chartist movement. Okay. The Chartist movement was the first mass movement driven by the working class. It grew following the failure of the 1832 Reform Act to extend the vote beyond those owning property. Gotcha. So this was their petition for, you know, example. In 1838, a people's charter was drawn up for the London Working Men's Association by William Lovett and Francis Place. They were two self-educated radicals in consultation with other members of the LWMA, and this are their six demands. Okay. All men to have vote universal manhood suffrage. Voting should take place by secret ballot because apparently mm-hmm. that wasn't going on yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. Parliamentary elections every year, not once every five years. Constituencies should be of equal size. Mm -hmm. Members of parliament should be paid. The proper, the property qualification for becoming a member of parliament should be abolished. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So. Our guy Alan has grown up in this. Right. Right. Okay. And his father being that policeman and dying because, you know, he's out there 
doing his thing, all that. Mm-hmm. So Alan is a young man now, and he falls in love. They right, <laughs> besos, besos. <laughs> Alan and Joan Carfrey eloped in Glasgow on March thirteenth, eighteen forty-two. Okay. It's recorded that on that day of their wedding, right after their marriage ceremony was wrapping up, Alan was tipped off that there was a warrant out for his arrest due to the Chartist activities. Mm. So with his new bride, Joan, and his mom in tow, <laughs> they immediately <laughs> board a ship bound for the U.S. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, come on over. The water's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's full of lead, but whatever. Well, you know, you can't have it all at this point. Maybe not. Um, on their way to the U.S., their ship ran aground and was wrecked on the shore of Nova Scotia. They eventually arrived. <laughs> good, good job, everybody. <laughs> we didn't see it. We just didn't see it, man. All right. I, I, I mean, had to look at a map to see where Nova Scotia was because I was like, the fuck are they going, man? Uh, probably the St. <laughs> Lawrence Channel. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> Girl, I told you I'm terrible at, terrible at geology. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, okay, so they arrived, they eventually arrived in Chicago. But they did not have a penny to their name. Literally, mm-hmm. they did not have any money. After a few months in 1843, leaving Joan and Mom in Chicago, Alan moved to Dundee, Illinois, mm-hmm. where he built a cabin by his goddamn self mm-hmm. in the fucking woods. Mm-hmm. And then he brought Joan and Mom to live with him. It's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. So after he builds this cabin, right, Alan establishes a cooperage business and becomes an active anti-slavery campaigner. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with his business forming part of the Underground Railroad, helping us es- helping escaped slaves reach freedom in Canada. Mm-hmm. Way to be, right? Yeah, totally. I uh, yeah. Well, he's not done yet. Cool. Alan helped catch a gang of counterfeits who hid out. I'm so sorry. Uh, a gang of counterfeiters whose hideout he had stumbled upon. Just <laughs> whoops. <laughs> yeah, literally like Scooby Doo walked into this shit. <laughs> As a result of his, uh, you know. Carmen San Diego skills. Uh-huh. Uh, he was appointed deputy sheriff of Kane County. And then in 1849, he became Chicago's first full time detective. Oh, shit. Yeah. Not only that, but a special agent for the U.S. Post Office as well. Gotcha. I'm mm-hmm. picturing Jason Sudeikis' character on... Literally. Or, or is it Ed, no, it's Ed Helms on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, Uspis. <laughs> yes. Your big brother, Uspis. <laughs> <laughs> Pinkerton was contracted out for a short period with the inspection service to help solve very specific crimes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In this case... Ellen's expertise was needed for railroad counterfeiting schemes. 
Okay. So, like, expertise. Like, what expertise? Like, is he just not a fucking idiot? Like, he's an amazing detective. Love it. And I like it. Just wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. Yes, he had a very inquisitive mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alan always liked puzzles. Sure. So. To him, I, he also had like this sense of justice that just ran through his blood, mm, and I can relate like to I yeah, I can relate to that man. <laughs> Where you're just like, dude, you can't fucking do that to other people. Yes, like the uh, amount yes. of times I've heard Cassie say something to the effect of, dude, you can't fucking talk to people like you can't do that to people like that's no, no one fucking Not deserves- when I'm around. <laughs> No, you're not going to be disrespectful to other fucking people. Let me let you know how this feels. Let me show you. (laughs) Don't you feel stupid? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pinkertons. uh, Wait, nope. So, so wrong. All right. In this case, Pinkerton's expertise uh, were needed and... uh, he was not at the post office for a very long time. Really? Because every time I'm at the post office, it takes forever. You're so funny. <laughs> Alan recognized that he was naturally gifted in this area. So in 1950, Is he gifted in other areas. I, you know what? I don't know, but Joan's been around forever. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he left her in Chicago, and uh, she, yeah, waited for a cabin and everything. Mm-hmm. That big old log. Uh, <laughs> in, in 1850, Pinkerton founded the National Detective Agency in Chicago. The slogan used by the agency was "We Never Sleep." And its logo well, was a large, unblinking eye. Being a detective, like you need sleep to like refresh the brain. Numb. Like, oh well, it means that they're twenty four <laughs> hours. Yeah, no, I got it. Twenty four hours. Being a dick. The unblinking <laughs> eye. You. Yeah. Uh, this gave. Do you re- have dry red <laughs> unblinking <laughs> eyes? Clear eyes. Clear eyes. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry if you're not old enough to get that joke. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I sorry forgot. for sorry for traumatizing everyone who isn't oh enough to get god. that joke. Yeah. That, ooh, that had layers. <laughs> Layer feeling. Oh my god. Uh. So. Uh. The uh, unblinking eye. As their logo gave mm-hmm. rise to the phrase <gasps> "private eye." Wait, what? So, like, was he one of like the founding members of like the American chapter of like the Illuminati? So, listen, there's <laughs> so much conspiracy about this, and I was going to do it like as a separate thing because <laughs> part four. Yeah, literally, is all about I could. Pinkerton conspiracy. Yes, well, I believe it. Well, yes, they, they 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 crushed labor actions. They yeah. influenced elections. They fucking. At, like forcefully and behind the scenes of bribery. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go into in those. Every single pie and cookie jar in the fucking country. The evil cookie jar, man. <laughs> Which is oatmeal raisin. I'm just kidding. I love oatmeal raisin. I'm here. When, look, a buttery with a little bit of salt. <laughs> fucking, like, 
oatmeal raisin cookie, if it's really Mwah. good, it, like there are times when it can hit just fucking right. You're not man. wrong. You're not wrong. I like the cowboy cookies that have everything in it. Oh. Like uh-huh. the nuts and the chocolate and the raisins. Any whozle beats. Sorry, we got distracted. <laughs> We're hungry. The agency. <laughs> a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit hungry. <laughs> The agency was the first to formalize a series of techniques now used by detectives across the world. Like what? Stop and frisk? (laughs) (laughs) Broken windows pleasing? What are we talking about? Just (laughs) unloading a bag into a fucking window. Oh, my God. Ooh, that's too soon. (laughs) Ready, fire, aim. What are we talking about? (laughs) Will Smith in uh, MIB. Shoot first. First, Shoot shoot later. later. (laughs) Ask questions. Once everybody is dead, maybe ask a question or two. (laughs) Uh, They... Oh, Wild Wild West, not MIB. That one. Uh, Shadowing. So, gang stalking, basically. Oh, gotcha. Um, You... Surveilling of suspects using undercover agents to infiltrate criminal gangs. What about under the covers agents? Listen, <laughs> we'll get into that. Oh, the agent. <laughs> the agency quickly achieved a reputation for toughness and effectiveness. Yeah. When it came to. Uh, the prominence of uh, tracking down a number of train robbers during the 1850s. Uh, and we're going, uh, we're going to be kind of skipping around a bit just because. Or Tarantino it. Yeah, because um, this is the epilogue. I want you to know the players before we get into the game. The so. What did I say? Epilogue? That's the... Yeah. You know what? We're doing it backwards like Star Wars. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's the prologue. Prologue. That's before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's another Wake and Bake episode, my friends. (laughs) So we are going to be jumping around in time just a little bit. All right? Sure. So March 1861, Pinkertons work on a... We're on a railway robbery. Whoa! <laughs> what? You say that. Railway robbery? I hate you. Railway wobbly. Railway wobbly. That's how it's going to come out. It was what we, we owed. Uh, the Pinkertons were working on a railway wobbly that bought to light a plot to kill Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> God. But for real, they brought to light a plot to kill Abraham Lincoln in gotcha. Baltimore on his way to his presidential inauguration, which failed. Because yeah. of the Pinkertons. Yeah, well, they didn't catch. Hey, what? They weren't there the night at the playhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been real different. Yeah, uh, Lincoln actually was super impressed with all of the robberies that they had mm-hmm. solved because, like, well, yeah, train robberies had just become a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I don't know that I believe that one hundred and ten percent full heartedly. I think that this happened in other areas or people would hop onto a train, take a few things that they need right. and get well, the fuck off. Kind of like, but these hundreds of thousands of dollar yes. holdups so, yeah, that are kind one of, of like, its kind. There was a period where like kidnapping became oh, like yeah. a huge boom in crime. Like, yeah, with the Lindbergh baby. Yeah, and have other you. things of that 
era. Mm -hmm. It was this weird window of time where that was like the crime. So I feel like train robbing was kind of the same thing. Very much so. Very much so. After the outbreak of the American Civil War Mm -hmm. later that year. Yep. Lincoln appointed Pinkerton as the head of the Union Intelligence Service. Gotcha. And he went by the name E.G. Allen. <sighs> really? Yes. Okay. I know the name, and when you get into it, I'm gonna. I'm sure I'm gonna remember. But I know. Really? I know that name. That's ah. so. E.G.'s agents. <laughs> often worked undercover as Confederates Mm -hmm. to gather intelligence. And Pinkerton himself undertook a number of missions posing as a Confederate Army major. Yeah, yeah. The fucking balls. The balls that you have to have to be like, all right, well, going to go trick a bunch of people. I wanted to say, and I could be very, very wrong, but in my head, the thing that my brain is associating with E.G. Allen was working with Harriet Tubman. When Let's see. I didn't look into his life as E.G. Allen, I could to be, be honest. A thousand percent wrong. It could just the name could just sound familiar. Um, but yeah, like people think of Harriet Tubman as just like the leader of the Underground Railroad, and those who have just been taught about her in school don't know all the shit that she did with the fucking military to like oh yeah i and i don't know that we're the right people to tell her story but like she's so much more badass and oh yeah had so much more effect like you're saying Mm mm-hmm than most of us know. Yeah, she had a military pension because of all the shit that she did. Like, she would recruit and plan and stage, like, fucking counteroffensives using, like, like, she would go into, like, slave camps and be like, hey, we're going to start some shit when it pops off. Fucking join fucking in. Fucking run. Yeah. yeah Not join just in run, and run. Like, fucking light fires, fucking shoot people. Like, it was a very, like, she was a. F- an agent using guerrilla tactics. Uh, I, I I don't want to use buzz terms like terrorist or insurgent sure. or like guerrilla tactics is, is hard enough, but like freedom fighter or revolutionary like tactics of going in and radicalizing, uh, you know, people who were being occupied and enslaved to like fight back when the union would show up or they would start it as a distraction and the union would come in and back them up. But yeah, no, she was amazing. And as, and she also did amazing work in the underground railroad as well. But like, it's only, there's so much that she did and is credited for very, like only a fraction. I, yes, I will have to try to find some, uh, podcasts um to link sure yeah that do a better justice yes. than we could <laughs> yeah so um pinkerton like i was saying mm-hmm. EG undercover Allen. all of that good stuff um he captured a confederate spy during mm. that time 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, uh, because of the that capture, um, it contributed intelligence that enabled a, a victory at the first battle of Bull Run. Oh, uh-huh. So, uh, do, 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 let's see. Or the Battle of Manassas. Manassas. They also... Um, they captured another spy, Belle Boyd. Okay. Um, and she was able to provide intelligence um, about Stonewall Jackson <laughs> in the Valley Campaign. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 Poor mm-hmm. Stonewall. He was. Poor uh, Stonewall. Eh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, in that he was like he was an honorable military leader sure yeah like regardless of the cause or whatever like he was a very well respected like military leader the troops like he served with them he fought with them um he took care of his troops and and like he wasn't just a boss or a manager he was was a a leader leader. yeah so after the war pinkerton returned to running his agency which made its name in a number of high-profile cases. Elm Miller, the masked bandit. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I can think of is, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Never mind. It's not important. Move on. (laughs) It's going to take me a minute to find it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, shit. We should got mixed up so sorry elm comes in in a minute here we go the reno gang the reno gang yes uh this was the first brotherhood of outlaws in the united states they terrorized the midwest for several years and inspired a host of other similar gangs who copied their crimes Uh, of course leading to several decades of high profile train robberies uh, the Reno gang attracted several new members after the end of the war. Sure. They started by robbing and murdering travelers in Jackson County, Indiana. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, they began to branch out into other counties where they raided merchants and communities. Sure. Well, I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, Jackson County is a southern county of Indiana, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. So Indiana was close to like the Mason-Dixon line and uh, there were, so the South was essentially like a lot of it was destroyed in the battle Mm -hmm. and uh, in the battles of the Civil War and especially around the Mason-Dixon line and then in in many, many places. So like when you, property values went down and there was a lot of Mm. open spaces and there were a lot of wealthy um northern merchants that came in to like invest and buy when it's cheap and then build because like everything was cheap as fuck because there was nothing you know and those people were called carpet baggers yeah yeah and uh because you could rush it you could have very little capital but it was fertile ground to like build upon and have success because there was no fucking competition mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm uh, so I assume that these like train, there were a bunch of these like carpetbaggers and merchants who brought essentially all the capital that they were going to invest in everything that they had, 
everything they owned. So these trains that were heading south are like right for the picking. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the Reno brothers, they plan to rob their first train near Seymour. Uh, yep. That's a southern Indiana town. Yep, check uh, It was an important <laughs> rail hub at the time. On the evening of October 6th, 1866, John, Sim, and Frank boarded an Ohio and Mississippi railway train as it started to leave the Seymour Depot. They broke into the express car, <laughs> restrained guard Elm Miller, who Uh-oh. had the safe keys, but only for the local safe. So for Jackson uh. County. When they were finally able to break into the safe, it contained approximately $16,000. That was so much money at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You finding uh, that? Yes, I totally forgot. I almost fell asleep last night doing it. I was like, oh, no, we're good. (laughs) So, what year is this? 1866. 1866. 16,000. Hold on, I'm going to venture a guess. Okay. You do it while I... I uh, I'm going to venture a guess that $16,000 in 1866 money is going to be around $475,000. Okay, okay. Um, I'm guessing... Tippity tap typing. Oh my god, this only goes back to 1913. Okay. How many did you say? 475. 500,000. I was so close. You were very close. I was so close. So it, I mean. It was probably closer to like 550, 600,000. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's what I would guess. So half a million dollars. Yeah. In the safe that they were able to open. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, if you were to observe this train going on by, you would see multiple men pushing safes off of the train. Right. Because they were going to come back and get them later and yeah. crack them. Sure. So, yeah. they, like, it took three of them to move the largest safe that was on there. Right. Because, like, you got to think, like, there's no phones at this point in time. No. There's not even radios at this point in time. So, like, you would have, to, the train would have to go to the station. Yep. Alert the authorities. The authorities would then have to ride on horseback or take a train in the opposite direction. Uh, to then, like, try to get back to the spot to where the safes were pushed off. Yes. So there's plenty of getaway time. There is. And they also have some of their gang waiting in the bushes. Right. For the safe so they can kind of guard them, like, just Mm. in case anybody walks by. You know. Yeah. So, um, they were, the gang on the ground was unable to open this like the largest safe so they ran because like somebody like a large posse was approaching sure yeah so they ran later uh after the train has you know arrived all of that passenger george kinney stepped forward to identify two of the robbers the three men were arrested but were released on bail mm-hmm. wow how could they afford bail <laughs> oh wait i don't know uh kinney 
was shot and killed. Oh. Yep. Uh, so all the other passengers refused to testify and all charges were dropped. Yeah, weird. Weird how that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, the robbery would ultimately lead to the gang's downfall. Mm-mm. The contents of the safe were insured by the Adams Express Company. Right. Who hired the Pinkerton Detective Agency to track down and capture the gang. On November 17th, 1867, the Davies County Courthouse in Gatlin, Missouri was robbed. (laughs) So much. John Reno was identified. He was soon tracked down by Alan Pinkerton himself. Pinky's on it, man. Arrested and sentenced to 25 years in Missouri State Penitentiary. You're a loose cannon, Pinkerton. You're a loose cannon. I need your gun and your badge, but I'll get results. (laughs) Uh, By the 1870s, the agency had the world's largest collection of photographs of criminals and suspects. So, so they had mugshots, like they had yes. books of mugshots for people to look yes. through and identify. They had the first database of wow. crime-related things. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of times, uh, other police agencies and things like that would reach out to them. Yeah. If you know they had <laughs> a lot of a uh, consult the national trouble. database. We are the national we database. We are the database. So during this period, the Pinkerton the Pinkerton Agency may have become known for some extremely aggressive tactics. Mm -hmm. In early 1874, after a train robbery by the James Gang in Gad Hills, Missouri, the Allen Express Company asked Pinkertons to bring the brothers Frank and Jesse James to justice. Yep. Express uh, companies were paid to carry valuables on the railroads, and mm-hmm. they rather that the train companies, um, who typically suffered the loss, not have to do that. So yeah. Pinkertons accepted the assignment and uh, sent yeah, out. Insurance never wants to actually pay. Yeah, no. They never want to pay. Yeah. So. The Pinkerton sent out detectives to Clay County, Missouri to investigate. Mm. Uh, that lucky man. I need to double. I don't think. I think my thing autocorrected. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Give me just a second. I we mean. We are human. We are. This we, is how real we are, we shit are. gets done, people. All right. We keep it raw. We keep it healthy. We healthy. keep it scrumptious. But yeah, we are not. Um, we don't want to over polish because we want to uh, show you guys how this stuff really get. We're I, I don't know. I'm just vamping. Oh my god, you're so funny. <laughs> no, it's true. I I don't know. I just god damn it and like of course it's the one time that i mentioned this guy's name mm. so oh well here we go that one that so one. cheese is weird 
How about airline food? Why don't they okay. just make the whole plane out of the black box? Why not? <laughs> All right. So that person that's going to Clay County, Missouri. Uh-huh, this is Pinkerton agent. This Pinkerton agent, Joseph Wichler, arrived in early March 1874 and spied his way down to the James homestead. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he was on his way down there, he was informed by the former sheriff that uh, that old woman, Jesse's mom, mm-hmm. would kill you if the boys don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a boy mom. She's a, yeah, you know, quirky <laughs> boy mom. Guess what happened the next day? Mom kills him? Jesse was dead. <laughs> Not Jesse, Joseph was dead. <laughs> Joseph Wichler, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, um, so his death scared off the express company, uh, and they were like, you know what, fucking lie. Don't worry about it. Like, we're, we'll recover it in other ways. And uh, the Pinkertons were like, absolutely not. Yeah, we will not stand for this. Can't just kill our agents. And yeah. Expect us to not. Re- yeah. Uh, Alan Pinkerton vowed vengeance on any outlaws who still repped the Confederate cause. Mm-hmm. In his diary, he wrote. Now, remember, he's. Like, this is... So, 1874, uh-huh. you said? Yes. So, he is, like, 65. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, in the 1870s, is, like, Pretty 106. Old. Pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote in his diary, there is no use for talking. They must die. Yeah. Yeah. When you... I mean... Judge, jury, and Judy over there. Yeah. You... You can kind of see how, like, when you devote yourself mm-hmm. to what you believe is a good cause, like, if you if you make every facet of your life it, about it, you can kind of lose your frame of reference and go to yes. a place you never truly intended. You know? Yes. In July of 1875, a group of Pinkerton detectives and sympathetic locals raided the James farm, mm-hmm. but their plans went awry when an incendiary device they tossed into the house exploded, wounding Zerelid. Okay. Z-E-R-E-L-D-A. Zerelda. Yeah, Zerelda. Zerelda. Mm -hmm. And killing Jesse's eight-and-a-half-year-old half-brother, Archie. Yeah. Archie, Public opinion rallied around the James family as never Mm -hmm. before. And the Pinkerton agency was, but they were exonerated for the raid. Right. Uh, That stung worse than defeat. Uh, Pinkerton gave up the chase. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was like, oh shit, in my fervor, we killed a kid. Yes. It racked him with guilt. Good. Yeah. Yes. There were also cases of uh, them being employed to break labor strikes and uh, watch union members. Yep. Mm -hmm. All of these things, a far cry from Alan Pinkerton's original start as a member of the Chartist movement. Pinkerton himself became increasingly occupied with writing detective stories, leaving the running of the agency to his two sons. Yeah, who, you know. In late yeah. June 1884, Alan slipped on a, some pavement in Chicago and bit his tongue. 
He didn't seek treatment, and the tongue became infected, oh leading to his death. Shut January up. January 1st no. of 1884. Oh my God! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Pinkerton. So he Caltrogoed it. Yes, literally, <laughs> like for no reason. Yeah, it's for like no Al reason. Capone who fucking essentially what succumbed to like? I know he was definitely in late stage syphilis because yeah, yeah, yeah. he never got a syphilis fucking Mm-mm. treated. So he Mm-mm. was like held in like a mental institution with like a toy fishing rod fishing out of a drained yep. pool and wanted everyone to call him schmoopsy or something like that schmooky <laughs> something snorky i don't know it's something very funny like that yeah no yeah, yeah i'm not exaggerating like it is but yeah like just go to the fucking doctor you fucking pussy i <laughs> mean i don't know something talk like this for the last like two weeks of my life like <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to deal with that. You go to the doctor or we cut it off. I'm sorry. Maybe the swollen tongue was better for cunnilingus. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I get so much more accent with the ladies with this song. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So uh, that is all that I have for you as of today. Um, uh, We will pick up with William and Robert Pinkerton taking over yay i feel like this was like the 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 most light-hearted episode of this uh series that you're going to be presenting to us you would be correct because <laughs> pinkerton started out alan pinkerton started out as not a bastard not then... a bastard and then like you said followed one train the whole way yeah. in I don't know the destiny of that train. It's not going to be any different for you. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm. When you devote yourself to things like justice and rule yes. of law, and then the rule of, but if the law and the organization set up around it are corrupt and and set up to protect business and cap and capitalists over the people, mm-hmm. then your pursuit of justice is eventually going support to support causes that are not necessarily like you're going to have the same reference of yeah rule and order and, and way sh- things should be done as the structure that it's based around yeah yeah so that uh that wraps up my shits well, it's for the week. Very intriguing first part. I'm excited to learn more. Good, 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 good. Well, my doodles, we have a get that shit for you. Ooh. If you like to aggravate boomers, Ooh. and if you like shirts, hats, bags, candles, Care packages, stationery, stickers. Coasters. Coasters. Then Crimson and Clover Studio is for you. (laughs) So uh, right on their uh, homepage, there's candles. Of course. So, you know, I love my candles. Uh, There is uh, Please Don't Do Coke in the Bathroom, Big Boob Energy. Love it. Love it. And Coke and Threesomes. So, yeah, Coke in, Coke in the bedroom apparently. Yeah, Coke in three sums <laughs> smells like vanilla, sandalwood, coconut, and debauchery. 
Gotcha. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Dionysus would be proud. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, so uh, a little bit about Crimson and Clover Studio. It was founded by uh, a writer named Rachel Cajona. It started uh, with sticky notes that Rachel and her then boyfriend would leave for each other. Mm. Sassy little zingers and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, She was watching Oprah one day and it dawned on herself, why not just... Start putting this shit on other stuff. Sure. So, uh, Crimson and Clover was born, named after a Jimmy Eat World song, A Praise Chorus. Oh. Yeah. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I know some Jimmy Eat World songs. I enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, make sure you head over and take a look because they have all sorts of stuff. Uh, (laughs) There's a beanie that says, eat a dick. Um, A sweatshirt that's fucking magical. (laughs) I believe in science. Yeah. Swearing helps. (laughs) I mean, it raises your pain tolerance. It's been uh, scientifically proven. Um, I'm sorry I'm late. I didn't want to (laughs) come. Hey, better late than pregnant. Better late than pregnant. I hate you. I said that one for years. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Go up just a little bit. Um, Ah! Fucking magical. Great, great, great. Where can we find? So, you can find all of this amazing stuff at crimsonandcloverstudio.com. Cool. Yeah. Their pre-made care packages are so cute. So even if you want to send yourself a little, yeah. a little one, uh, there's, uh, it's a candle and a bath bomb and a little, um, like Ipsy bag. Yeah, uh-huh. One of them says weed stash. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, candle is what the fuck is happening. <laughs> uh, they also have hoe bags. Nice. It just says like hoe, H-O, bag on it. I love them. As a, t- like, embroidered on a tote bag. Uh-huh. Love uh-huh. It. Uh-huh. Uh, so many different cards, guys. So if you're looking for... Like greeting cards? Uh-huh. <laughs> some uh, uh, not... Uh, s- some debauchery, we'll say. Sure. There's also charcuterie boards. <laughs> Live, it. laugh, fuck off. Love it. Not just for cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead, head on over to crimsonandcloverstudios.com. It's dot com. (laughs) Do you have anything else, Samuel? I don't think so. I think this was uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a very good one. It's a long one. Sorry, dudes. Good for her. God damn it. (laughs) Good for him. Good for her. All righty, my dudes. Well, while you're picking up your hoe bags, make sure we're in your earballs. You can find us on all the different streaming platforms, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. And uh, if you'd like to see our shenanigans, you can visit our YouTube channel, GTS underscore podcast. While you're there, guys, if you could please like, follow, subscribe so we can continue to grow our shit. Uh, we have um, a lot of plans in the works. We have a dream list going mm-hmm. on. 
and uh, yeah, with your guys's support, I don't know, it renews us to try new things and keep branching out and trying to find, you know, other mediums that we can connect with you guys yeah. about. So uh, check out our link tree. You can find our website, YouTube channel, episode resources, and much more. Give us a holler if you have a small business you want to hype or a topic that you don't want to do homework on. All right. Send all your shit to get this shit podcast at gmail.com. Woo. <laughs> all right, my dudes. I think that's about it, Tit. I think so. All righty. Well, until next, time. until next time, be safe out there. Yeah. Yeah. Love and light. Yeah. It on fire. <laughs> Love you Bye. Guys. Bye.